The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. Actually, I'm not coming live. I'm pre-recording the show here uh, due to some time issues that we have with our guest. And so the phone lines are not open this morning. I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys would join us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and for whatever reason, my desktop is it working here? My button. <laughs> so we're going to be in trouble with that today. Uh, if you head over to sons of Liberty media.com and you're on red state talk radio, you want to watch the video portion of the radio show go over there, scroll down on the right side of the page where the second video going live in that section there. And then right above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. And you can watch that. And then he comes on at 3 PM Eastern. That'll be live at sons of Liberty media.com. And also, while you're there, just above that, there's a place where you can subscribe. Please enter your email there. Subscribe with us. We don't rent your email. We don't sell it. We don't spam you. You get one email a day, and that's just to give you the articles that we put out each day. That includes this show being archived in article form uh, with anything that we talk about. And uh, that'll be in a video form. That'll be in a podcast. And then any links or videos or anything like that that we'll reference during this, which, by the way, I'm not going to be able to do for whatever reason. Uh, It's not pulling up my desktop. I don't know why that is. But in any case, also at the top of SonsLibertyMedia.com, if you agree with our message, you're able to do so and you want to do so, there's a donate button at the top if you want to support the Sons of Liberty. We let you know we have needs. We don't beg you for money, but we, we do let you know that if you want to support us, you can do that. There's a donate button or you can partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty at the top of the page. There's a link for that. That's monthly partners and you set up the amount you want to give and uh, that comes out every month. Also, there's a store button there. We got shirts, hats, uh, coffee mugs, water bottles, all kinds of stuff in the store. And you help support us that way. Plus, you give we, we give you a product that you can either use as a gift or a great conversations starters with uh, friends and family and strangers that you come in contact with. You can also catch the video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. We're on Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. Facebook is Bradley Dean SOL. 
our YouTube channel, which we've decided to not stream to, uh, is Bradley Dean. You can still subscribe. I don't know what Bradley's going to do with that since we've lost two channels anyway. Uh, before it's news.com, we're live there on the front page right now, and also dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty and at Cutting Edge TV on Roku. Again, the, the phone lines are not on today simply because uh, we're pre recording this, so nobody will be able to call in. Now, with that said, my guest today is David Knight. You know him from the David Knight Show, and uh, he is an electrical engineer, worked for seven years in the field before becoming self employed. Over the past 25 years, his involvement in third-party independent politics led him to work as media fellow for the American Tradition Institute on Energy Issues. I was, uh, excuse me, he was hired at Infowars based on a contest entry on jury nullification. He covered Bundy Ranch standoff, asymmetric war center training, and geospatial intel surveillance issues. This ought to be interesting, and he had his own independent morning show at InfoWars for three and a half years. And with that said, I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, David Knight. How are you, sir? Good to have you. Doing good. Thank you for having me on. I like the name of your show, Sons of Liberty. That's a great name. Yeah, based on, based on uh, obviously, the Patriot Forefathers that we had in yeah. our past. And yeah. uh, David and I have had, we, we've been struggling to, to kind of get together for a while. Of course, David's down in Texas, and they had that storm come through where I'm, I'm i'm eager to pick your brain over what you think is going on there uh, in a little bit but with with this information that you have and we were talking just before we we started recording here uh tell people what went on there at infowars i know there's a lot of people who who have heard from you as to why things went down the way they did and and you're no longer there and some people have not do you want to take time to walk people through that just a little bit as to what went on with infowars well, yeah, briefly, I mean, you know, um, basically I was on the same page with Alex on these liberty issues, and he'd been um, at the forefront of talking about uh, what happened with 9-11 and other issues. Uh, however, as we started to get to the 2016 election, uh, I was mm, somewhat, uh, you know, I, I could see uh, some good points and some bad points uh, for Trump, uh, and um, and yet... Alex is fully on board, and uh, you know we had uh, Roger Stone came in about that time, got Alex connected with uh, uh, President Trump, and at that point, it was just it was amazing to me how it, he seemed to have lost his objectivity. But look, I understand. I mean, his is you know we're looking at Hillary Clinton and somebody else. Anybody else is going to look great. Uh, I didn't think that he was uh, George Washington reincarnated, but I thought that we we're going to get some good things out of Donald Trump. And so it's like, yeah, let's give him the chance. Uh, certainly, as Julian Assange said, he's not Hillary Clinton, who we know is a criminal and a warmonger. He'd said a lot of good things in terms of ending foreign wars, in terms of even perhaps uh, exposing things like 9-11. He was clearly understood from the very beginning that uh, that didn't that didn't just fall down. I mean, I've built buildings. I couldn't fall down. Right. And he made some statements as well about vaccines and other issues like that. So it's like, all right, maybe we'll wait and see what happens. The problem is, is that um, Alex didn't really want to uh, hear anything negative about Trump. And um, I, you know, so that, that started to create a wedge between us. Uh, that wedge uh, became kind of uh, an unbridgeable gap this last year as we had the pandemic happen. And as um, I was looking at it, and I, I saw two possibilities when we were looking at it in the uh, late December, early January timeframe, 
the possibility was that it was, uh, you know, there, and there was a possibility because I had covered for uh, years going back to 2014 what had happened at uh, some of these um, uh, biowarfare centers where Fauci and uh, these other people were doing gain-of-function research to bring in very deadly pathogens. They had one of them get out of a biosafety level three lab down in Tulane. And uh, that was a pathogen that had a 45% uh, fatality rate, and they were making it uh, more uh, more lethal and more easily spread. And they had an accident there. And they had a whole lot of accidents, so a lot of stuff was shut down. And there were a lot of reports at the time out of USA Today by Allison Young and others, and Congress said, we're going to have a moratorium on this. Well, that was at the time that uh, Fauci and Francis Collins, who's his boss at the NIH, they continued to do research. Uh, they had research that was going on at the UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, and uh, they were also funding research in Wuhan, and uh, they were telling everybody this thing jumped from a bat, and the research that they were funding in, in Wuhan, at their only, the only biosafety level four, and that's the highest level, the only biosafety level four lab in China, uh, the research that they were doing was uh, coronavirus and bats. And so it looked like that could have been something that was either escaped out of the lab or was deliberate. So that was concerning. But even more concerning, I said, as we were looking at this, I said, uh, this, we're being told from China, they've locked down the entire city, and we're being told that this is what we need to do here. And I said, we better be careful because whatever this is, even if this is a weaponized uh, biological, uh, you know, weaponized biological warfare, deliberate or accidental, if we lock this down, it's going to be hard for us to ever get back our freedom. And so there was an issue there at the beginning. Mike Adams and and uh, was on almost every day. Well, every day for several weeks, and then almost every day after that. And he was pushing that angle very hard. Alex was pushing it as well. I mean, it's a it's a panic angle. It helps to sell uh, things, helps to sell preparedness items, which they were selling. But I did not want to see us go into lockdown, and I opposed that. And then after that, we had uh, Mike Adams, who was still doing a lot of of uh, broadcasting on, on InfoWars. He wasn't an employee of InfoWars, but Alex was having him do the fourth hour. Uh, he continued to push the mask well into the summer uh, and just adamant, you have to wear the mask or we're going to wind up taking the vaccine. And it's like, you understand the mask that they're saying about the mask is the same thing they're saying about the vaccine. It doesn't protect you. It protects other people. And we've heard this. We heard it just the previous year when they mandated uh, the MMR uh, vaccines for kids to go to school. So, uh, I was not on board with that. At, at one point, uh, Mike Adams attacked uh, Alex for having on uh, David Icke, who was a skeptic about the whole pandemic. And so at that point, I, I attacked him. What my tactic was, I had an independent morning show, and uh, I would give my take on whatever it was that Trump was doing, whatever the different policies were. And I didn't directly engage other people, but I directly engaged Mike Adams about that. And so that created a bit of a friction, to say the least. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that didn't blow up at that point in time. But then as time went on, and Alex would not directly engage Trump over the lockdown, the continued lockdown, and how they're going to keep everything locked down through the election. I said, look, if you do this through the election, this is going to be the most corrupt election we've ever seen. You, you cannot leave this lockdown and, and look at what's happening to businesses. I mean, we have a mandated Great Depression immediately within the first month or so. We had shot up to unemployment levels that it, were not reached in the Great Depression for two or three years. How can you tell people in America that their business is not essential? I've been a small businessman. I, I know how people pour their blood, sweat, 
peers and money and invest their life in a business and you're not going to just shut this down arbitrarily? You can't do that. We can't support that. They have no authority to do that. And I said, furthermore, you know that this all goes back to 9-11. It all goes back to the anthrax attacks that happened a week after 9-11 and how there was a dark winter simulation two months before, actually the end of uh, June, two months or so, two and a half months before 9-11. Then a week after, you have an event. And then as these uh, anthrax attacks are ending, within a month, they've got legislation that they pushed out to all the different states for them to do these, to give themselves the powers that they were exercising. So I said, you know, this is a long-term plan. And you know that it all aligns with the UN 2030 agenda that they've been trying to sell everybody, telling us we're all going to die because of global warming. Yep. So we cannot go down this road. We've got to stop this. This is a complete erasure of our individual liberty and dignity and the Constitution. And so I was, I was not happy with that. And I was not happy with the fact that even though Alex would, uh, would attack the vaccine as a new experimental drug, he would tell people that this was uh, Trump trying to save us from the Gates vaccine. It's like, well, that's not the way you save us from the Gates vaccine. You save us from the Gates vaccine by taking the... Uh, the, the, the doctors who did the white coat summit in front of the Supreme Court, you put them on the podium and you pull this guy, yep. Fauci, off and you arrest him for yep. his previous crime. Come on. But, you know, they didn't do any of that. So it, this all evolved. And then as we got to the election, I didn't believe I had people telling me um, uh, that Alex is, is saying, saying this about the vaccine. I didn't have the time to watch Alex's program. I'm mean, doing three hours of content, uh, prepare for that, and then doing it during the day. And, uh, and I was still finishing up with my show doing cuts and titles and things like that during Alex's show for the most part. So I didn't know what he was saying. One day I sat there next to him and as we're going to break, he throws out, well, of course, this isn't the, the bad Gates vaccine. Trump is saving us from that. And we'll be right back. And it's like, what the heck is going on here? And I saw it myself sitting right next to him. And so when we got to the election, I thought, well, you know, he hasn't fired me yet. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll make it through until <laughs> Biden gets in and we'll be on the same team again. And uh, But then on December the 17th, right after I finished my show, he had a couple of people call me into another area. And as he was fundraising about my firing, uh, <laughs> he was uh, telling people, hey, I had to fire him because I don't have enough money. Uh, and, and they were the ones who were doing the firing after I worked for him for oh, about eight and a half years. And uh, he didn't even say anything to me. You know, just uh, kicked me out of the door. But I'm glad I got out of there. And I'm glad that I didn't have anything to do with the stop the steal nonsense. I said beforehand that, you know, that was what was going to happen. Yeah. The election was going to go that way if we had a lockdown election. And after it happened, I said, there isn't anything you're going to do with any protests except, you know, to make money. There's nothing you're going to do to, re to turn this around. If they're going to go through the court procedure, they're not going to have enough time to do this. We haven't seen them do anything with the... Uh, Hunter Biden uh, laptop. Yep. So I don't have any confidence based on the fact that for four years he hasn't done anything to come after the deep state. That they're going to turn this thing around in that amount of time. So why are you doing this except for money? And the last week I was there, maybe this is the final straw for him. I started talking about it being a grif grifting operation. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to play the videos. I didn't want to get involved with uh, uh, Ali Akbar calls himself Ali Alexander and things like that. So I, you know, we, we just basically went in separate directions. And, and so uh, on December the 17th, that's when that ended. I uh, wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I had somebody uh, send me a, uh, uh, some money via, pay, via, via uh, PayPal through an email address and said, um, I, for, I forbid you to be sad. And, and he wrote <laughs> me a very nice note. 
I thought that's really nice. And then somebody else has sent me some money and then uh, people started saying, we want you to continue your show somehow or whatever. And so uh, my family and I talked about it over the weekend and we, uh, on Monday, we did a broadcast holding a cell phone because we didn't have enough time to get any equipment and it was Christmas time and it's, you know, because of lockdown and things like that, it's difficult to get equipment, but that's what we've been doing ever since. Uh, began that on the, uh, I guess it was the 20, 21st, I think it was. Okay. Of December. All right. Well, here's the thing. You leave there with a clean conscience, and that's the issue. And, you know, we had similar things here. One, I, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the website Freedom Outpost, um, but I began that back in 2012, and I worked for some guys down in Georgia. And we had similar issues. When Mitt Romney ran, I, I said, here's what this guy is. He's not being, he's not <laughs> what he's being sold to you as. And I was the only site out of, I don't, they had 30 or 40 sites in their network or something who was saying it. Nobody else was saying it. Mm-hmm. And they said, you got to mm-hmm. be careful with this. You I said, I'm just showing you what the guy has done. And then, you know, a year after he and Ryan lost, and I was pointing out both, the, both the problems with those guys. Uh, not that I wanted the Democrat side of it either. Um, all these people all of a sudden started going, yeah, yeah, we don't like them. We don't, and see, they've been that since then. But, but when it comes mm-hmm. election time, they think somehow they're, you know, going to pull their clothes off and be super constitutionalist or something. Well, it's a lesser two evils. And yeah. That, that evil, that's always evil. And if you look at Mitt exactly Romney right. and Paul Ryan, boy, they were handpicked yep. to push through Obamacare if Obama didn't get Obamacare through. I mean, Romney had already done it and Paul Ryan protected it. Uh, you know, even uh, even later. So, you know, he made sure that nobody took that thing away. Well, that's exactly right. Well, then later on, I think it was in um, 2019, you know, I was just, I was canceled. I was fired. Nobody fired me. They just cut me out of the website. Didn't tell me. I thought the website was hacked and all. Anyway, uh, I had been working with Bradley and the Sons of Liberty for uh, several years, since 2014. And so, you know, they very graciously took me on, helped keep my family up uh, and, and have been with them, you know, full time since then. So I know what it is to take that stand. And I know what it, I know what it is. Even with the Sons of Liberty, we had people coming in during the election cycle, giving us down the road because we were telling that because you're right. I wanted to give Trump the, the benefit of the doubt at first, you know, when he came in and he, he was saying a lot of good things. Some things were bad. Um, yep. But but a lot of stuff sounded very good. And then he got in That's and right. he did some things that were very good. And we wrote on that. Uh, and then the further along he got in, it, the more it became apparent he wasn't there to drain the swamp. He was just, you know, stirring it up. He was adding Bilderberg attendees. He was adding CFR members in. He was adding right. all of these people that were swamp. And and yet the people said, oh, he, and the Q people were even worse uh, still are today. I don't know what that mindset is. So I, I know exactly what you're saying, but but the principle is, and and we say it in the introduction of the show, we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, and nobody ever asked the right of what? The left of what? Well, the law. That's what they're on. They get you away from the law to argue stuff that their corporate media, you know, or corporate masters want them to to impose on you so i'm glad that you brought that out and i'm glad that you got a clean conscience in what you did uh there and uh, you seem to be doing well with your show um i catch a lot of the the stuff when i get a chance to watch something uh on library somebody post your your stuff up there so i get to see some of that and i've always appreciated your commentary that you you try to remain objective i 
you know, I, everybody has bias. Anybody that says everybody they, has they, a bias. That's anybody right. even in what they, we report, right? That's and exactly right. Go ahead. Right. Look at Drudge. He, he doesn't yep. he doesn't write anything, uh, but what he chooses to report has gone completely uh, 180 in yes. the opposite direction. And so we all knew, you know, we basically understood that, the, you know, he was curating uh, conservative libertarian views, and now he is a hardcore establishment left. Mm. Well, and, and I think that's that's the case. Nobody should ever believe that somebody is without any bias. We all come to it. I had a guy introduce me on a show one time, and he says, Tim does his reporting unbiased. And I said, no, 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 let me correct that. I, I'm biased as best I can be towards the law and a biblical worldview. That's that's my bias. I let people know that right off the bat. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad that you agree with that. Now, with this said, let's let's ask a couple of questions here, and then and then I want to talk a little bit about Texas as well. With this whole idea of the the pandemic that's gone on, uh, I've had a number of doctors on the show. I'm sure you have too. Um, we've had Dr. Kerry Midday, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, uh, recently Dr. Lee Merritt. Um, I'm trying to think of other people. We have Kate Shemarani, who's our health and wellness expert on every Saturday. And she was the one at first that brought out in the UK and she really got, you know, tarred and feathered over there by the media. She brought out the issue of 5G and the effects on that, uh, on a person from that. And the fact that really no studies have been done on that, um, that it was using crowd control by our own military in Iraq and things of this nature. And so we, we know that it does have certain effects on the body. When you talk about this stuff with the Wuhan, I I often ask the question, do they have us looking at this quote-unquote virus, which, by the way, uh, Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Thomas Cowan have come out and have said they've never isolated this, like fully isolated and purified what they call a virus. There have been several Mm -hmm. uh, doctors who've asked for samples from the CDC who says they isolated, but they they really didn't do that. There's human genome in the virus and all this other stuff, or what they say. They've never provided that. So is it possible, David, uh, and I'm going to just ask you, is it possible that they've got us looking in one area while during the lockdowns, the one essential thing that we know that was going on all over the place was the rollout of 5G and Mm -hmm. that they've put up these this kill machine. uh, I'm going to use Mark Steele's words. He's a weapons developer, weapons expert over in the UK. He says it's a weapon um, and it's all around us. It's going to be all around us. What do you, what do, what were your, I'm sure you've thought about this 5G or being entertained by it at least. What are your thoughts on that? Well, if you go back and you look at the research that was done by Alan Fry, he was, he worked for the uh, Naval Research, um, uh, branch of Naval Research, and they have a, uh, a biological effect uh, coming from radio waves. It's called the Fry effect. And um, if you go back and you look at your microwave ovens, right? Remember the first, uh, if you're, you're younger than I am, but the first microwave ovens were called the Amana radar ranges. Yep. The reason they came up with that was because you had some radar technicians who left their coffee cups on top of their equipment and they noticed that it was heating up. So they thought, that's kind of strange. And, and that was the basis of that. Of course, they were wow. getting irradiated as well. Uh, they didn't realize that. Now, Alan Fry started looking at this because he had an assistant who was working on some uh, uh, radar equipment and some radio equipment, and he was hearing clicks. And so I started talking about the Fry effect when, when you had these, um, uh, if you remember, in the Cuban embassy, uh, the Cuban embassy yep. and Chinese embassy, they had uh, people who said, hey, we're hearing clicks and we're getting severe headaches and neurological things, and oh, they're having all kinds of effects American embassy personnel. It's like, well, you know, this is a, 
uh, they're, they're beaming um, electromagnetic radiation at them. They ought to know this. Uh, Alan Fry was the only person that has been funded, really, to look at any of the biological effects of any of the cell phone radiation or the other stuff. He did quite a bit of research. Uh, they kind of kept it under the table. But I think it's one of the reasons why when you buy a cell phone, you'll see the disclaimer in there from Apple and others, because even though they'll poo-poo this and they'll have their people in the media tell you that you shouldn't worry about this, they'll say, well, you know, do not hold this next to your head. You know, when you're talking about cell phone, <laughs> hold it a foot away and use some uh, earbuds and things like that. They know that it's there in the same way that when you look at the vaccines, uh, they'll warn you about uh, use for pregnant women or some other issues like that, that, that they are aware of are real problems. And so there's absolutely no doubt that this is an issue. And you know, when we go back and we look at the vaccines, in 1986, of course, Fauci, one of the first things he did is he got into his position there at the NIH was to make sure that the vaccine companies had legal immunity from any damage that they did to people, right? In 1996, 10 years later, you had the Telecommunications Act that was signed in by Clinton. Uh, the, the Vaccine Immunity Act was signed in by Reagan. So 10 years later, Clinton does the Telecommunications Act and what it did was it said, you're not going to be able to object to cell phone tower locations on the basis of any health concerns, right? That should be suspicious right there. Amen. Uh, you can yeah. object only if you don't like the way it looks, if you have an objection to the aesthetics, because they can easily fix the aesthetics, but they can't fix the health effects, right? And so that led to, um, you know, we've had over the years, we've had a number of lawsuits based on cell phone antenna clusters that were uh, in some cases in New York, uh, put next to a school and they had a big cancer cluster uh, because of that. Uh, they sued about that and they're, they're trying to shut that down. You can actually, by the way, uh, you know, just like everything else, we don't realize what our freedoms are at the local level. Under the Constitution, when the federal government comes in and creates uh, prohibitions that they don't have any power to create like that, like that Telecommunications Act saying you can't prohibit these things, you can do that at the local level if you got the right people. Uh, because they don't have the constitutional authority to do that. In the same way that you've had people at, at uh, states, uh, you've had two-thirds of the states now with either the state legislature or with referenda have made mar uh, medical marijuana legal. Now, regardless of what you think about that, and I don't see any problem with that personally, but um, regardless of what you think about that, what that shows is that uh, th they nullified by legislation or by referenda, a federal law. We can nullify these telecommunications right. acts and these other issues, vaccine mandates, whatever they want to do. But uh, when we look at 5G, you're right. It, this is something that is qualitatively different in terms of the medical effects. Uh, we've This is very high-frequency radiation. That has a very much higher frequency than we've seen with the previous generations of cell phone uh, stuff. And, of course, there is... No experiments, uh, no testing that's been done on this, just like we haven't had any. We skipped all the testing with the vaccines. We skipped all the testing with the 5G. Nobody wants to hear about that. You have had some health officials in foreign countries, in Belgium, for example, say, we're not going to allow that here. Uh, the uh, Even though it is, uh, and they like to talk about how it's a lower power level, uh, but it's not really... Uh, the reason that they're putting all these different antennas uh, so close to each other, it has to be more line of sight because it's a high frequency. And so when you look at that, it raises a lot of red flags about health issues that have not been answered, but there's 100% certainty as to why they're doing this and why they're so desperate to do that, and that is to establish a complete surveillance grid to establish the 
the technological infrastructure for smart cities, for controlling everything that you do and watching everything you do. That alone should shut this down. Uh, and we know that 100%. Uh, the other stuff looks very, very likely based on the history of what we've seen with cell phones and based on what other people have objections other people have raised. I mean, just common sense ought to tell you, no, let's let's stop and do some tests, but they don't want to do any tests. And that should be a big red flag as well. I agree with that. And and you bring in Agenda 2030. You said red flags. I said, well, let's jump to the red flag issue that uh, Donald Trump seemed to have promoted. I mean, just blatantly unconstitutional battle yeah. he gave after Parkland. Uh, then his own DOJ was basically bribing the state to say, implement these red flag laws. But let, let's get that just a second, because when you talk about the Agenda 2030 and you're talking about this, and uh, I think it was Catherine Austin Fitz who brought all this stuff sort of together in a big picture, took all these little compartmentalized uh, different things, brought them together so you got a big picture. One of those was in that, the 5G, the quick transmissions that they have. But she, I, the mm-hmm. one thing I don't think she ever brought up was, could this be used as a weapon against people? You know, who knows what's in these vaccines? We've got Moderna saying they're operating systems. The obvious mm-hmm. question is, if they have this kind of technology that they can put inside you that we've we've read so much about, what's to stop them from, you know, beaming at a person who has had their their medical device shot into them and just switching that person off and saying, you're not going to you're not going to dissent anymore. Um, This is some of the concern that I and it sounds so Orwellian that it's hard for some people to grasp. They say this is conspiracy theory, but it's an actual conspiracy because they're getting immunity, just like the vaccine creators, which, again, I think you would agree that's unconstitutional. If you're putting out a product that's this is not like and I say they're trying to go after gun manufacturers. A gun manufacturer would only be responsible for any kind of injury to somebody if their gun like blew apart on them, on the person. They get Uh a gun, they go and they're not responsible for what the people do to it with the, with this technology, whether it's the, the injections or whether it's a 5G, the, the person who gets harmed by that hasn't done in, hasn't really done anything. Somebody is doing something to them. I'm sure you would agree that this whole immunity for entire uh, corporate uh, groups is unconstitutional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, I, I recently did a report about some government officials in Argentina. Actually, the original research was done by a group out of the UK, and it was reported by Stat News, which is a pharmaceutical industry uh, publication. And uh, they had talked to some officials in Argentina and Brazil who were angry uh, that they could not come to terms to get the Pfizer vaccine. And then there was a third country that got held up for a very long time, but they were able to come to terms and they couldn't, they would not, give their name because they'd signed an NDA agreement. But this is what they were all saying. They were saying that Pfizer was shaking them down to give them legal immunity. We've seen this out of Australia and a lot of other countries that did not have uh, the immunity act that Fauci got for the big pharmaceutical companies in 1986. But Fauci and the World Health Organization and uh, and Gates have been able to blackmail these countries by saying, uh, you're not going to go anywhere unless you get all your, you know, certain percentage of your people vaccinated. And we're going to have vaccine passports and everything. So unless you get vaccines, you're going to be locked down in your country. We're going to turn you into a leper colony. And because of that, you've got all of these different countries are begging for these vaccines. And they're using this as leverage now to say, we're going to lock you down. You can't travel unless you got a vaccine. Then they use that as leverage to say, and to get the vaccine, you're going to have to give us legal immunity. 
which is what Fauci did in 1986. So he begins his career, you know, 35 years ago, and now he's finishing up his career by giving it, making it global, this uh, immunity to these people. Now, what's even more amazing is that what uh, Brazil, Argentina, and this other country were saying is that not only were they demanding that they have liability protection from the design, but the sticking point that they got into the argument with Brazil and with Argentina over was they wanted to have liability from any manufacturing errors, right? Because you can have this uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, facility that they've now, um, Johnson Johnson vaccine, they're, they're going to be manufacturing that at a uh, Merck facility that's had a, a record of a lot of violations from the FDA. So you can be very sloppy about the manufacturing of a a drug that's been tested and approved, right? And you could still have liability if you don't manufacture it in the right way. And then there's a secondary issue of shipping because, you know, these these drugs have to be kept, uh, I forget whether it's the Moderna one or the Pfizer one, but they, yeah, the they both one. have to be kept super cold. But they, one of them is minus 95 degrees Fahrenheit, which the you know, temperature at the, at the poles is like minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And the other one is like minus 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So they got to be kept super cold. And I've asked from the very beginning, uh, the rhetorical question, because these companies are not going to tell you the answer. Well, what happens if they're not kept refrigerated, right? And I got a story about that. But they wanted they wanted immunity from any manufacturing errors, uh, 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 liability, negligence, okay, and any shipping negligence. They wanted immunity from that, not just from the vaccine that was funded with tens of billions of dollars from the Trump administration and then pushed out without any testing. They wanted liability even from the manufacturer and shipping. And they were so concerned about their liability that they wanted these countries to set up foreign bank accounts for them and to give them as collateral, uh, to, to hold as collateral, sovereign real estate assets like embassies and military bases. This sounds crazy, that is but this is what these crazy. governments are saying. That's how much Pfizer believes wow. in this drug. Okay, And then going back to the temperature thing, I've said from the very beginning, that was a big red flag for me because uh, it was in 2018. It was the summer of 2018. I forget which month. Uh, people can go back and look at it, but it was the summer. It's like May or, or July, something like that. There were in, in Samoa, you had two toddlers who went in for the MMR vaccine. One of them got the shot and immediately died. A mother was sitting there with her toddler, and she said, I think we're going to leave. And they said, no, 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 this doesn't have anything to do with that. It's a different thing. Come on in. And I really pressured her. And uh, so she let them vaccinate her child. Her child immediately died. Gosh. At that point, they stopped. And they stopped all the vaccines in Samoa. Now, this was not really reported outside of New Zealand and Samoa. Right? Got made a big deal in those areas, but they kept it quiet here in the U.S. for the most part. I had people who listened to the show in other countries, and they, they sent this to me and said, look at this. It's not being talked about in the U.S. Now, the first thing that they said was, well, of course, it's not the vaccine. Uh, the vaccines are safe. Uh, so it's not the manufacturer. And we don't believe that it's the hospital either. It's probably the nurses did not refrigerate it properly. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. This is a new risk factor I've never seen about vaccines. You've got to keep them refrigerated or you can kill people with it. And if that's the case, then what, what is the issue with these uh, <laughs> vaccines that have to be kept at minus 95 degrees Fahrenheit? And now it appears if they are shaking down Argentina and Brazil for this, it appears that uh, they are concerned about that as well. Well, I have a question, David. If you got to keep something at, and I, I've heard negative 80 and negative 70, but cold, it's really cold. Once you get 
once you get past a certain thing, it's just a number to me. I mean, it's cold. That's okay. Right. So, so <laughs> what happens to that thing when you take it from that and you stick it in somebody that's, that's temperature is 98.6? What, what, well, they what, have uh, to thaw it out and dilute it before they do that. Okay. Uh, but then that raises another issue, right? They ship these things and sometimes, you know, they said, well, um, we diluted it by factor. Do we have five? Doses in a vial, or do we have six? And eh, we're not really sure. And they said, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Don't worry Good about it. The difference between a poison and a medicine is the dosage, right? Ah. That's one of my issues with, with, um, with fluoride. I explained to people. I said, you don't even have to talk about whether or not fluoride in and of itself is harmful. I could make the case for that. But let, let's just say that it's a, a good thing to have. If it's a good thing to have, why would you dump it in the water when you can't control the dosage, yep. right? You can't, and you're going to give the same dosage to a child that you give to an adult male. You're going to give that to a baby drinking the water. This doesn't make any sense at all. You can't control the dosage if you're going to mass dump it into the water. And if they're not concerned about the dosage in a vial of a vaccine, that, that makes no sense at all. Well, I agree. And again, we go back to the thing, you know, Donald Trump, one of the things that he's, that he continuously emphasized, you know, leaving office, was I just want you to realize that we got the vaccine out to you. Okay, yeah, I'm going to make sure you own it, every adverse effect and every death that comes from it. I'm pinning on Donald Trump. And now we can go ahead. Yeah, it it really is because he said we we rushed it through. We got it through faster than anybody. Oh, that should make me feel better that you skipped all the protocol. I mean, I don't know that there's any vaccine that's actually safe and effective. I don't know that there's one that's really that, that's been proven to be that. But, But the fact of the matter is, is you've got a guy who says, I, I basically rushed it through, cut the corners so you could have a vaccine to feel better about what we're telling you that, for all intents and purposes, has been a fraud on the American people. Dr. Deborah Burks is on camera saying we're taking deaths and all of them sticking them into COVID, whether they got yeah. it or not. I mean, and you can whole, see that. Yeah, the whole thing is ridiculous. Now, with that and yet, said, if you die ahead. right after you. If you die within a couple of days or yep. you know, most of these adverse effects are, are happening within 48 hours that they're seeing right now. Right. Of course, that doesn't say anything about the long-term effects. That's right. But, you know, if you get a positive PCR test where they're magnifying the viral debris by a factor of a trillion, if you get a positive PCR test and you die within 30 days, they count that as a, as a COVID death. Uh, but if you get a vaccine shot, and we know that you got the vaccine shot, and you die within 48 hours. Well, I don't think that's what, I don't think I had anything to do with it. John Rappaport. And yeah. he oh, was yeah. putting John out the stuff good. saying, here's what they're going to do. They're going to take, and they're ramping up the PCR test to give us the cases so that this creates more fear, even though people aren't sick. And then mm-hmm. what we're going to do is, uh, he said what they'll do to sh- when the vaccines roll out, they'll, they'll start bringing the cycles of the PCR test down, which isn't supposed to be used for diagnosis of this thing anyway. And when they bring it down, what's going to happen is it's going to make it look like the vaccines are working when the actual opposite is taking place. So all of this seems like a a good case for a lot of attorneys to make some money for people to bring uh, Fauci, the the NIH, the the um, the Trump administration, these even these these other these vaccine companies. And start really taking the law to them, point to the Constitution, say these acts that give them immunity are unconstitutional, and somebody needs to, to to be dealt with with justice. And that's the one thing that I know the Trump administration left off that it said it was going to bring. It said it was going to bring justice. It didn't bring justice. This is why we have Joe Biden in the in the office anyway. So let me tell you about the Trump administration, his connection to the big pharmaceutical companies. If we go back and we look at this, and and, and again. Uh, 
people ought to ask themselves the question, why is it that no therapeutic is allowed? Why do we have to demonize HCQ? Why do we have to demonize ivermectin? Why do we have uh, ivermectin and why do we have the, uh, you know, raids on people who are giving, uh, uh, you know, IV, uh, vitamin C and all this other kind of stuff. We've got to shut down all therapeutics. And the only thing that's going to get us out of this is going to be the vaccine. That is the approach that goes all the way back to the first dark winter. And, uh, and that simulation that happened in uh, June of 2001. And that simulation, and it was put together by the CDC and by Johns Hopkins. And Johns Hopkins has, and the CDC have been involved in every annual simulation since then. There's been, you know, starting with 2001 and ending with the uh, event 301 um, that uh, happened in the fall of uh, 2019, right? And we had KDEX. We had all these different numbers that are, are you know, code names, all that kind of stuff. But the point is that every year, the CDC and Johns Hopkins would get together government bureaucrats and politicians, and they'd run a multi-day simulation. And it was really like one of these uh, Rand Corporation uh, Delphi events that were, they were running with Agenda 21, and they would do them around various towns. They did it here in Austin, too. And, and what they would do with the, the Delphi tactic, uh, it's, a, it's a Rand Corporation tactic, and they were doing it to try to get people to enact uh, their uh, Agenda 21 environmental regulations and controls and so forth. They would get a group of people in, and they would, run a, they would ask them some questions and everything, and they always had an answer that they wanted to steer you to. And if you weren't giving them the right answer, they would kind of, you know, push you out of the group and they would reinforce the people who were going the way that they wanted. But then at the end of it, they would present it to you as if you had arrived at that solution, uh, even though you were heavily steered towards it. Now, as they would do all of these simulations every year, and the very first one, uh, Operation Dark Winter, uh, the idea behind it was that you had some terrorists who had released uh, smallpox. And Oklahoma City, because that was 2001, and it was still fresh on their minds, Oklahoma City bombing false flag and that sort of thing. So they're, they're playing into that scenario for people. So we have a small pocket that is there. Now, what do we do? Well, we got to lock everything down. Oh, you didn't lock everything down quickly enough. And so now here's an update on it. And they would have people actually doing little news broadcasts and all these different simulations showing uh, what had happened because you hadn't acted quickly enough draconian enough measures to lock people down. And then the solution was to always, the solution was to approve a vaccine without doing any testing, do it on an emergency basis. And they would always tell people everybody died because you weren't draconian enough and you didn't rush the vaccine enough. So they had the bureaucracy being trained by the usual suspects, you know, CDC, Johns Hopkins, the Gates Foundation, all these people that are running the simulation every year. They were training bureaucrats for 20 years to do this. And of course, Trump did everything that they wanted. It, this is a game plan. This is why I'm, I'm just watching this thing unfold and, and almost like a slow motion nightmare. I've seen all of this before. I know what they're trying to put in. I know what they've been practicing to do. And they got away with it. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing to me that they got away with it. But to go back after they, they did that simulation, they had the anthrax attack. And I just two days ago, I talked to some guys from the lawyers committee for 9-11 truth. And they're on this anthrax attack investigation and they're trying to get congress to reopen it again because you know congress is all paranoid about being attacked and this was the only weapons of mass destruction attack that's ever been waged on congress why aren't they interested in investigating this especially since the fbi did such a botched job of it under yeah. robert Mueller, and 
You even had uh, congressional uh, people on both sides of the aisle. You had Nadler who was scratching his head and saying, what's going on? I mean, Nadler, Jerry Nadler. You had people on the left, like the New York Times, Washington Post, PBS, uh, Glenn Greenwald were saying, this is ridiculous what they've done. You had the National Research Council was breathing down their neck. They finally pinned it on a guy that suspiciously died. They said that he committed suicide. And then the week after he allegedly committed suicide, they pinned it on, pinned it on him. Bruce Ivins, but they never really charged anybody. They never had a trial. And that was seven years after the fact that he died. And so the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry is trying to get this reopened and try to make this public. And they've done a lot more research to pull together uh, all of the uh, information people put together over a decade. But when you go back and you look at this, you have the simulation, you have the event of the anthrax attacks, and then immediately they have legislation that's pushed out that, for the states to give themselves the kind of powers that we've seen this last year. And then a year later, you had the Homeland Security Act, where they started giving some of those powers to the federal government. And you had people pushing back real hard, saying that what happened this last year was exactly what was going to happen. And yet, when we had the 2000 Homeland Security Act, and they started giving some of these dictatorial powers to the federal government, you had the pharmaceutical company come, uh, pharmaceutical industry came in with Eli Lilly in the lead. And they said, we want legal immunity from any drugs that we produce for you for a pandemic. They called it the, um, uh, the Lilly uh, Rider uh, for Eli Lilly. Okay, so they've been at the forefront of this. Now, fast forward to when President Trump gets elected. In December of 2016, RFK Jr., who is uh, a, a very much uh, looking into vaccines and, and negative side effects, and, of course, uh, uh, it was thought that uh, President Trump was a vaccine skeptic, perhaps because Barron had been injured somewhat with vaccines. He seemed to exhibit some of the signs of autism. Uh, I think uh, Roger Stone told uh, Alex that uh, he thought he was uh, suffering from autism. Nevertheless, for whatever reason, Trump seemed to be a vaccine skeptic. And RFK Jr., met with Donald Trump and with Steve Bannon and with uh, Reince Priebus that, that was there. And that got out, and the pharmaceutical industry went crazy. They made a big donation to uh, Donald Trump. Uh, RFK Jr. never saw him again. And guess who Donald Trump put in as the head of HHS? Alex Azar, the former CEO of Eli Lilly. Come you on. understand how this Good whole thing is working, great. how they were yep. played this whole thing, and how Trump made... His, uh, you know, set himself up to be a made man in Washington. And that's what this really is about. He wasn't about draining the swamp. He was about making himself part of the club, part of the mafia, there a kingpin go. in the mafia. There you go. Now, that's it. That's exactly what that's the way I see it. Um, you know, David, I, gosh, I wish we had a couple hours because this is such a great conversation. But I do want to ask another thing, um, and it's going to be. Complete. Well, it may not be completely different from what we're talking about in the fact that it, I think it does fit in. Uh, and we've got about seven and a half minutes to do it. So with that said, recently down there in Texas where you are, we, we saw that you guys got just this major blizzard down there, uh, dealing mm -hmm. with your power and stuff because Texas is, is supposed to be known, you know, it's got its own power grid. Um, it can, it can basically do its own money supply if it needed to do that, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, this winter storm hits. Now, what most people in America didn't know was what maybe two weeks prior to that, there was a meeting that was where you had some people like Alan West and some other people who were down there talking about secession. And I know there's the Texas uh, Nationalist Movement, 
uh, that's going on down there, been going on for several years to push for secession for Texas to free itself. And I think uh, ultimately this is where the states are going to have to go because there's no there's no draining the swamp. That whole thing is full. You, right. you can't you can't do anything. So here's the question I want to ask from your perspective. Seeing that these talks on secession was going on, all this, and we know from people like uh, uh, Dane Wigington, uh, who has covered all of the weather manipulation at geoengineeringwatch.org, do you get the sense that something was done to Texas as sort of a, we got you guys, you better get in line, quit talking this nonsense? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just curious what you think about that. Well, I, I worked for the American Tradition Institute. We talked about energy a lot. That was one of our focuses. And uh, back when I was doing that, back in 2009, uh, we had Colorado coming out with the first renewable energy mandates. And they were, were going to require that everybody go to wind power, some solar power, and things like that. And so I was very well aware of the frailty of, uh, of wind power. Uh, I, I did videos showing how it, it doesn't, provide a steady state power for the grid. It's great if you're on your own, if you're independent. You got solar power and you got wind power and you got your own battery backup. That's great. Getting off the grid, getting that kind of independence. That's a very different thing, however, than trying to run the entire grid because the entire grid has to be rock solid steady or you wind up with all kinds of problems. And so it's not a good solution. Uh, they don't have a good way to store the energy. And so what happens is the uh, the traditional power plants that are operating off of coal and oil uh, natural gas, uh, nuclear, they have to cycle up and down to make up for the changes that are constantly happening with renewable energy sources. And and the, it's essentially what happens is uh, they wind up uh, generating a lot more pollution because it's the same sort of thing that happens if you're driving in city traffic and you're doing stop and go and stop and go. You're going to use a lot more gas. You're going to generate a lot more emissions. And that's what happens with the the, the plants that have to make up for the uh, the unsteady renewable sources. Now, whether or not this the storm was a natural occurrence or whether or not it was uh, uh, geoengineered, um, the other issues involved here are the fact that you have massive crony capitalism, malinvestment, and just outright corruption. And it's rampant here in Texas with this windmill situation. It goes back all the way back to George H.W. Bush as he was president. He was getting massive subsidies for the wind industry. They've been renewed on a regular basis by all the Republican and Democrat presidents. You had George W. Bush uh, giving subsidies to people. When you had um, uh, Rick Perry, he spent $5 billion as a gift to the windmill industry to build infrastructure for them. Uh, this is something that exists so that the rich can get richer. This is not doing anything for the environment, and it is outright corruption that is happening here. So there's a long history of that. George W. Bush was involved in Kinlay and Enron. That was a big part of it, you know, trading off these uh, energy credits and things like that. Um, it has been used to demonize uh, Texas because of its independent power grid, but the it's not the independence of the power grid that's the problem. It's the corruption and the crony capitalism that is the problem. And when we talk about uh, secession, uh, I, I, I certainly support secession. Going back to Brexit, I remember Boris Johnson, before he became a complete sellout to the Davos crowd, was talking about eight reasons that you ought to have Brexit. And I did a report and I said, look at each one of these reasons. I said, every one of these is worse 
if you compare Texas to the federal government in terms of the, the imbalance of money and how much money we're sending them based, based on what we get back and so forth. And so I said, uh, we need to have Texas. And I've been, you know, pushing that uh, since then. But uh, it, it's, it's even more than even having uh, Texas itself secede. We need to understand that even if Texas were to secede from the Union, we still have a population here that is more than an order of magnitude larger, more than 10 times larger than the entire population of all 13 colonies in 1776. The problem is we have two centralized government everywhere, and that's even at the state level. If we were to have our independence, we would still have power centers that would be in the big cities of Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston. And let me tell you, they're not that much different than Chicago or L.A. Mm. And I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not really happy about being in a, anymore under that kind of a situation. We see that when we look at the electoral uh college map when we have a presidential election you can see that it's all red and there's just the blue dots of the cities and so we need to start to reclaim local government and i think the real secession that has to happen is at the very local level yep i totally agree with that in fact that's one of the things that we've been we've been pushing here of recent we've been also pushing the issue of the real law enforcement officers of the constitution number one is Mm -hmm. is obviously the president but all the people the militia article one uh, clause uh, clause eight section 15 they're the real law enforcement that's me and you and this would go back that's even right. to the biblical days the people are the ones who would enforce the law it, you know it wasn't right. it wasn't some centralized powers the people who enforce the law and by the way if people want to read more on Texas, uh, i'd recommend why and how texas will leave the union daniel miller and uh, john griffing if they want to want to do that, these guys have been in it for, for quite a while. David, we're running out of time. I, I do hope um, maybe you'll you'll think about coming back on the show again because I would have let, liked to just continued on with uh, some of the stuff that we were talking about the first part. But I did want to get that Texas part in because it was on my mind. And yeah. uh, I want to give you time. We got about uh, 45 seconds here. Tell people where they can find out more about you and, uh, and your work. Uh, you can find us at thedavidnightshow.com. Uh, the website is under development, so you might get a warning. Oh, this is not a safe site. Of course, they, they do that with BitChute as well uh, on Twitter. But it, it's safe. It's just a splash page right now. We're, we're going to build that out so that you can find all the videos there. But we have the links to where the show is live streamed and where we have our video reports as well as our podcast and how you can support it. And so we're up on YouTube and BitChute, and uh, I'm... I'm uh, just been banned for the seventh time on YouTube. <laughs> uh, we're going to be on Odyssey. And uh, so we also have podcasts on Podbean and most of the other platforms that's pushed out from Podbean. And uh, so um, uh, you'll be able to find those links there at thedavidknightshow.com. All right, David Knight, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you for taking your time. I'm sorry we had such a trouble getting together, but I appreciate your time, the input. And I, I believe you're a fellow brother uh, working towards liberty here. Guys, 23 hours. We'll be back with you. See you.